We'll continue to talk about Mitch Kupchak's media availability. This time, we'll go over his reasons as to why they let go of head coach James Borrego, and we'll provide a head coaching search update. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available wherever you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail, covering Charlotte sports for a variety of different publications. That's Doug Branson, the OG member of the podcast. And if you like us on Facebook, we are on a quest to get a thousand Facebook likes. And if we do that, it means Doug will dress as the iconic grandmama looking just like Larry Johnson. Where are we on that production there? Are we getting enough likes, Doug? Uh, well, we have, I think we just crossed the 300 threshold, but we've okay. had over 40 likes in the last couple of days. So the people are responding, but I know there are a lot more people out there. I mean, we're getting thousands of views on these YouTube clips. So get to yep. liking folks yep and then Please. you can see doug put a dress on which is all which is what we all want we want to see i'm really i himself. mean the dress is fine you're gonna see a little bit of the dress i mean i guess i can get up and and you know walk around a little bit that's fine you're gonna but have to. the pillbox hat and the glasses i mean that to me is the most iconic part of the grandma whole deal so that's that's what i'm looking for i gotta find this pillbox hat though they don't make a lot of these things anymore i gotta go a little boutique shopping well, I'm trying to think if there's any Mandela effect going on for me because I'm trying to figure out exactly what what Larry Johnson wore. What did he have pearls on? Like did he wear jewelry? I think there was. Look it up. Yeah, all right. You go ahead and look that. Yeah, there were pearls. I, I got it right here. There were pearls. Right. The glasses are so good. I just like the shoes. The bass, everything is so grandma-y. And then we get to the shoes where it looks like he could go play some pickup right then and there. That would be fantastic. Like us on Facebook, and you can see Doug put that exact outfit on. Let's talk more about Mitch Kupchak, Doug. I mean, we kind of figured this content would last us a few days. It gave us Friday. We talked a little bit more about it yesterday. We'll continue to do it here. We haven't gotten to James Borrego, and the reason for Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets letting go of one James Borrego. Let's cut to that soundbite uh, right now. Here's Hornets GM Mitch Kupchak discussing, kind of discussing, some of the reasons as to why they decided to make a change. A combination of things. Right. Um, you know, certainly, you know, the way the season ended. Right. And then us kind of going through that a year ago, you know, and I don't want to point to, to that being the reason, because it's certainly not the reason. Um, it's a combination of things. I don't want to list them. You know, if you ask me, you know, I would say, yes, that was a part of it. But I don't want to start listing all the reasons. Uh, it's just a feel, you know, a general manager gets. You know, I've been doing this a real long time and, you know, you're not always right. And this was, you know, particularly a hard decision to make. It's not like he gave you a ton of information. Mitch Kupchak even telling you that he was going to withhold the details, just outright saying, no, not going to list every single reason why. Among a couple of the times he answered that question on Friday, he said they needed a new voice, to be quite honest with you. There, you hear him say that it was just kind of a gut feeling for a GM that it was time to move on. 
Then you also talk about that play-in loss, and it was by 30 points. It was the second straight year where they got destroyed, this time more so in the second half. It was over as, as soon as it started against Indiana. They never had a chance. First half, the Hornets played awful. They still had a shot. They were still within single digits. I mean, crazy enough to think about. Mm -hmm. They were still within single digits going into the locker room. And then in the second half, third quarter specifically, they get destroyed. Hornets never have a shot anymore. And that's two straight years where they get absolutely obliterated. So, Doug, when you hear Mitch Kupchak talk about some of those reasons, are, is there more, do you think, to that play and loss again? and Or is there more to this variety of reasons? Just what are your overall thoughts on Mitch Kupchak's reasoning? Um, well, and I and I think what's interesting is how much of this is Mitch Kupchak's reasoning and Buzz Peterson's reasoning, and how much of this is Michael Jordan's reasoning. And you know, from the the sound that we haven't heard yet is uh, you know his general explanation of how the process went down. And I think Mitch Kupchak illustrated it such that it seemed as if Mitch made this decision and then informed the ownership of the decision. Which I I don't mm -hmm. I have a hard time believing that Michael Jordan was just sort of a passive actor in the firing of James Borrego. Um, I obviously wasn't in the room. I don't know what happened. I just have a hard time believing that it was Mitch Kupchak solely making the decision and then just informing, "Hey, Michael, this team that you own, um, I'm going to fire your head coach." Okay, cool, great. Um, I well, have a hard time believing that's happening. Here's the thing: I think Mitch owes. He, he should communicate more clearly why James Borrego was fired. If it's not just because of that, then he should illustrate what actually it was because I think it speaks to the fairness of the firing. Because I think a lot of people look at this situation and go, wait a minute, you just extended James Borrego for several years. So what happened all of a sudden that you've decided, no, actually, this isn't the guy that you want leading your organization for a few years? So, so if you're if you're not going to unleash the reasons, then I think people have a right to say that it was unfair. Yeah, and that's fine. The only way I would say that it's okay for Mitch to kind of hold this close to the vest is if there was anything he would say that would be detrimental to James Brago finding another coaching job. And I know guys talk behind the scenes, but I don't want Mitch Kupchak just taking a flamethrower to James Brago saying, here are the reasons you guys didn't know about that we decided to let him go, right? Like that's not something, and I think we'd be destroying that's Mitch fair. for doing that. You know, if if because some of the reports were lack of accountability, right? And I don't think you want, if you're James Borrego or his contingency, you don't want Mitch Kupchak out here coming to the public saying he didn't hold players accountable. He just let players do whatever they wanted or whatever that lack of accountability means. I don't even know what that, you know, specifically what that reporting means. We just know that was the phrasing. And maybe that was a part of the reason. But, you know, there's something in Hoops Hype I know you wanted to get to here that was uh, interesting about James Brago's firing, right, Doug, about exactly, you know, some other anonymous NBA head coach, what he had to say about it? Yeah, so Hoops Hype did this whole uh, write-up on kind of taking you behind the scenes of uh, head coaches being dismissed and, and what that looks like. And there was a quote from a former NBA head coach said, I think there's a lack of decency and humanity in some of these situations. With Borrego, it was a little unfair. He was just extended last year. He was let go this year, which shows there's no consistency in support or maybe even consistency of aligning goals and expectations. Something convinced them to commit to him two more years after last year. Then something drastic made them decommit after winning two more games. So 
you know, some of that, I think, is a fair critique of what's going on with this organization, Walker. Uh, but then I think the part that's a, a little bit unfair is not putting enough weight on those play in losses. Like if you don't if you don't believe that this is a head coach that that can win playoff games for you and the evidence you have are the two blowout play in losses, uh, then I think you have to move on. I think the real critique is the extension. Is is not is yeah. not understanding that before you make that commitment. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing that throws us all off. We would go to that point of evidence when we would discuss if we thought Borrego was going to get fired. We'd say when we just signed an extension, they did increase their win total by ten games, even though it was a very real conversation. I still think most people thought, whether you agreed with it or not, that he would be back. And then the play-in loss happens. So when you go to that point in the quote, something drastic had to have happened for him to lose his job. I mean, Doug, they lost by 30 points again. Nobody would have put money on that happening. It's, no, that team was – that, 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 I don't think they – they weren't favored in that game. Obviously, they weren't playing a home game. But that that was a team that was good enough to beat the Atlanta Hawks, like and, and, <laughs> to not, get by, and certainly not thirty, get, yeah, not get shellac. So definitely a disappointment. Although I, I would say the the unfairness of a lot of this, in my opinion, is that I don't feel like the organization did a good enough job getting Borrego the tools necessary to actually compete in the playoffs, and then unfairly at the beginning of the season making that the expectation. Now. Mitch Kupchak as general manager would then go and roll back those expectations in the middle of the season saying maybe he got a little ahead of himself but by then it's too late you've already set the course of the season the expectation is make the playoffs I'm not going to give you an NBA level big rotation that can compete in the playoffs uh, but now you have to go and compete and and I think that's unfair so with this next head coach I really hope that this organization uh, commits to bringing in roster pieces that are going to actually allow this new head coach to to compete in the regular season enough where you avoid the play-in games. There's there's one simple way that you can ensure that you do not get blown out in a play-in game, and that's to make the playoffs. Yeah, get better. Get a better personnel. Get, get a, a better roster. Yeah, yeah, that would be fantastic. And let's. By talk the way, about, but real quick, real quick, you know the whole Rudy Gobert discussion that we've had multiple times on this show, and people say, "Well, Rudy Gobert, you can't play him in the playoffs." You know, he gets schemed out of everything. It's like fine, but he'll get you a six seed. You can get to the playoffs. I mean, that's the thing. He helps you avoid the play in. And then once you're there, if you have a good enough head coach who can strategize and make adjustments, then you deal with that then. But Rudy Gobert helps you get to a six seed at least. All right, let's talk more about that next head coach and who they could possibly be coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We have a new coaching update from Mark Stein, who talked a little bit about Mike D'Antoni. Is he still the leader in the clubhouse? And is Darvin Ham even still a possibility for the Charlotte Hornets team? We'll get to that in just a moment. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you will, too, because it's easy to use. You pick just two to five players and over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry that's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in just 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe. It offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store 
and Google Play. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. So sign up today and use code NBA $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. Seems pretty easy. Go to PrizePix. Do the do the code Locked On uh, fans get this exclusive offer. It's fantastic stuff. Do that code. Let's do that code. <laughs> Type that code in NBA. That code. That's right. Exclusive offer. Go ahead and do that code. Let's make that a hashtag. Let's talk about the coaching search update for the Charlotte Hornets coming up next on the Locked On uh, Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Our boys got to go Cobra Kai. We got to go 80s villain defense. Grow a goatee. Do the uh, gladiators stab them real quick in the dribs before Have an Eastern European accent. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. Make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board with our friends. They've been on the show. Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletters. Joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Tulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, player rankings, and of course, Big Boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Make sure you're following the Locked On NBA podcast on YouTube. That's where we will do our uh, NBA draft live coverage. Uh, Walker and I will both be involved with that. Uh, just want to make a quick programming note. We're not going to get to Mason Plumley, unfortunately. <laughs> We're, we got to bump Plumley again. Poor we Mason, will do man. We will do the Mason Plumley season review. It's coming up, but we've got to bump them. We've got more important things to talk about. And I just want to apologize to Walker before we get started on this segment because I feel like I was a little bit of a ball hog in the first segment. I'm going to put a dollar in the ball hog jar. Um, <laughs> I took. I, I was just fired up about that segment, fired up That's about this okay. situation. So now I just want to say, all right, I'm going to be a pass-first point guard in this segment. Toss it to you. Doug, I, I think the bench is all fine. Nobody's mad at you as you come off of the court. I was honestly in a facilitating mode. I did not want to shoot. I didn't have any open looks. This was all your baby, man. You decided Good. to talk about it. That's all fine. I did want to ask, now that we've been introducing ourselves more, all right, so just to give you a little peek behind the curtain, as you can mm -hmm. hear in the intro, if you watch the first segment leading into it and you hear all that, I have been introducing ourselves more to just give new listeners a sense of who we are, right? How mm -hmm. I've been in the Charlotte market for a while. Doug is the person that gave this podcast life now that i have talked birthed, about the og it. he did i prefer, it I prefer you again. say that i birthed it i'm not gonna do that this is doug branson's baby <laughs> but this is, he's got two children what do you right? do, how do you how them. do you make a baby you birth it this is so weird. It's gross. Why are you using that voice? Why? There's no reason to use that voice. Know, it's a Tuesday. But, Feeling froggy but, on a Tuesday. That's, that's a good excuse. But as I keep saying, Doug is the founder of this. You have been going back deep, deep into the well to try to find some of these old bums to bring us back from break. I haven't even heard yeah. these. I've been on for four years yeah they're yeah this is i mean you're going way back in there so now i think the og listeners would appreciate that that have mm -hmm. been here since day one all right let's talk about this coaching search update doug david as he has won to do recently really within the last month he is giving us hornets content and in our group chat he gave us this excerpt of mark stein and what he had to report the other day bomb. so let yeah let's talk about this for a second so mike d'antoni 
maybe not the out, just maybe not the huge gap as the leader in the clubhouse anymore. Here's what Mark Stein had to say. The buzz going into the Chicago pre-draft camp held that Mike D'Antoni was in a strong position to fill Charlotte's coaching vacancy. There has been some pushback on that view as the week unfolded with some in-league coaching circles asserting that Hornets owner Michael Jordan might have reservations about hiring an offense all-the-time coach. Let's get to that in a moment. The Hornets, remember, finished eighth this season in offensive efficiency with all-star guard LaMelo Ball at the controls and number 22 on defense. Highly regarded Darvin Ham has already interviewed twice for the post, as has former Nets coach Kenny Atkinson. And the Hornets expanded their search this week by interviewing Terry Stotts. Hornets president Mitch Kupchak announced Thursday that he signed a multi-year extension to stay in his post, but said no firm timetable timetable has been established for hiring Borrego's replacement beyond Charlotte's intent to have a new coach in place for the June 23rd draft. So a little interesting there. If there are some reports that Michael Jordan might not be all in on Mike D'Antoni, what do you make of that little excerpt that we got from Mark Stein on Friday? Well, again, it just goes back to what I said in the first segment. I really have a hard yeah. time believing that Michael Jordan was not involved uh, heavily in the firing of James Borrego, at least part of the you know, meat of that conversation if he's going to be so involved in, in what he wants with the next head coach. Uh, this is league season, baby. I mean, this and, and you have to take into account the fact that there are only two, at this present time, there are only two head coaching uh, availabilities, the Charlotte Hornets and the Los Angeles Lakers. So there is a lot of jockeying going on, leaking going on, could be within the organization to get their preferred candidate. Uh, some some love. It could be within the camps of the different uh, head coaching uh, uh, candidates trying to lift their candidate up or maybe even leverage one team against another. So I think you have to take all of this with a grain of salt. It's the obvious thing, right? D'Antoni, offense only. The Hornets are an offensive, uh, a great offensive team already. They need help with defense. It's just playing into a kind of narrative that's already there. I don't put too much stock in it. I seriously, I still think D'Antoni's going to be the the name. I still believe. Yeah, I, I still think he's the favorite too. Look, I don't think that the offensive stuff is and what people will say, right? It's that the defensive inefficiencies for Mike D'Antoni is overplayed. I think that's probably true. I also think we talk about that so much to the point where people are like, hey, he actually is pretty decent defensively. That's, that's not really the case. You know, like the, Mike D'Antoni is very all in on offense. Do you think mm-hmm. enough ground can be made up offensively with this team that it gets you to that 50 win mark that you so much love. And I think D'Antoni would have a great relationship with Lamelo. We've talked about that. You wonder if there would be a ton of ISO ball because that's how he kind of operated in Houston, but that's a completely different player with James Harden. I, I believe in D'Antoni's ability to adapt to his star players. And I think he would do that with Lamelo. I think he would do that with this roster. So offensively, Yes, I totally believe maybe even being a little higher than what it was with James Borrego. But instead of being a top eight offense, let's say you get to be, I mean, hell, let's just move up, you know, 50% of the way. Let's say you're a top four offense. How many more wins does that lead to? Is Mike D'Antoni going to be responsible for increasing your defensive efficiency even more so? Or is that just going to be natural improvement of the roster that you have? Is that going to be improvement of the roster that Mitch Kupchak decides to go make? So there are a couple of things that have to happen here, right? Like, I I don't think that that's crazy. You know, when people say Mike D'Antoni is all offense, it's, it's a little true. At the same time, 
he's still a good NBA coach, and I would welcome him, even with Darvin Ham, you know, being right there, who is my favorite. Looks like that might not be happening a little more. We can get to that in just a moment. But what do you think about the offense stuff with D'Antoni? You'd still obviously welcome him in. So the Hornets had a top 10 offense in the league last year, right? They ranked eighth. Mm -hmm. But if D'Antoni can make them a top three offense, if he adds two points per possession to the offensive rating, uh, then you're in Atlanta Hawks territory in terms of your net rating. Because, I mean, you know, the Atlanta Hawks, 115.4 offensive rating versus the Charlotte Hornets at 113.6. The Hornets' defensive rating was 113.1. The Atlanta Hawks were 113.7. The Atlanta Hawks made the playoffs. So, you know, if you get somebody with head coaching experience that can raise your offensive game from eight to two to one to make, and I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility that Dan Tony well, no, but the Hawks got Mello and make them number one. But the Hawks got the nine seed, you know, I mean, the Hornets got that's the 10 fine. seed. That's the fine. Again, yes, you need defensive improvements. You need internal improvements on this team and give, give, you know, hey, here's a wild idea. Give any coach that you bring in, D'Antoni, Atkinson, Ham, whoever it is, give them a center who can defend the rim. Like, give them the tools. And I don't think, I just don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, that the defense, they don't, what I'm trying to say, Walker, is the Charlotte Hornets do not need a top 10 defense to compete. Their offense is good enough where they can have yeah. the 15th, 18th, 20th best defense and still get into the playoffs. I, I just yeah. I don't believe that they need a top 10 defense to make this all work. What, what you're saying is it, it's it's going to come down to personnel anyway. Whatever coach they bring in, it's going to come down to personnel in order to get them to be an average defense. And then you're starting to cook a little bit to see if you can get in the playoffs. It, it, you know, what's really you know, what's really interesting is that the Hornets and Lakers have the same problem but sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum, right? And, and they address this, uh, I believe, uh, yeah, Mike Wilbon said this on ESPN's like halftime coverage when they were talking about the Lakers uh, coaching search. Mike Wilbon said, look, it doesn't matter who they hire as head coach. They've got to fix this roster. The, the, and the Hornets have to do the same thing. It's just opposite problems. The Lakers have too many older veterans that they need to get rid of and no one else. The Hornets don't have enough veteran leadership. They're not being aggressive enough in the trade market, in the free agency market. It scares the the toots out of me. I'm trying to be careful here for the YouTube. <laughs> for the YouTube. We'll keep our rating G here. Scaring the ever-loving toots out of me that, you know, Mitch Kupchak and his media availability said that they might have enough on this roster right now to get better. I just don't believe that. They've got to go out and find something uh, that, that can help improve the, the wing defense and the, the, the interior defense. Um, again, not, not top 10 defense. Not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for just a little bit in the regular season to help get them, you know, a six or a five seed. You're kind of asking for top 16. Just get me, you know, anywhere, maybe even just from 18 to 14, something like that. Give me that range of defense. And then we'll start to be, you know, pretty decent here in Charlotte. Um, Darvin Ham, by the way, it does look more and more like he is the, you know, as we continue to talk about the favors for some of these jobs, Darvin Ham, he's the guy most reported to be the favorite to land that Lakers head coaching job. And yes. it's, Book it's it. not surprising. I've been telling you this for weeks. Book it. <laughs> ham. Lakers. No more ham and jam. I'm sorry, Doug. That would have no. been great. You could have put that on a T-shirt. It's ham and ant. That doesn't sound delicious at all.
No, I think well, I mean James. James is jam, so you could say ham and. I was jam. gonna say like ham and James. Now it doesn't have the same ring. I don't know if jam mm-hmm. is really mm-hmm. you know like Miles. It fits a little more so with one question I want to ask before we go to the last segment and not talk about Mason Plumley again. It's uh, the, the question: What's the gap in attractiveness between being the head coach of the Lakers and being the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets? It, most people, I think, would still go with the Lakers. I don't think it's obvious though. And and the reason being, it's not because the, the Lakers are a traditional historic franchise. If you want to say I was the head coach of the LA Lakers, that holds a lot of weight. And I'm not doubting that, but I think we all know the problems that are with that front office where you have to get some, you have to get some type of confirmation from Kurt Rambis to experiment with your roster as you put it out there on the floor. Like, really? You know, we know about some of the things that LeBron James has control of with the personnel where he chooses Russell Westbrook. Now you have to try to figure out how the hell to get that off of your roster to the point where it might not happen. Now you're relying so much on Anthony Davis, where he's an injury way again from not allowing you to get to the postseason. It doesn't matter if LeBron's playing like a top five player in the league. Still, he's only getting older and he was so good last year. Still didn't make the postseason. This roster is really strapped to try to figure out what to do. And and I don't know what they're going to do. Plus, it comes with big time expectations. Your expectations here in Charlotte are just get to the playoffs. The expectations (laughs) in L.A. are Hey, we're trying to contend for a championship. Mm. I don't care how flawed the roster is. And Mitch Kupchak, even if Mitch Kupchak had his reservations and his problems with the rookies not playing, I feel like that's kind of, you know, your run of the mill problems between GM and head coach, right? Like he still allowed James Borrego to do what he wanted or else you would have seen James Booknight more or else you would have seen JT Thor more, more Thor. It would have happened. I just, you know, Hornets might be the more attractive job. I, well, I certainly can make that argument in some respects. Well, I can just certainly make the argument. Yeah. I'll start here, Walker. Uh, the old saying goes, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so if you are one of these head coaching candidates and you behold uh, attractiveness as glitz, glamour, being talked about on national television – then obviously the Lakers' job is going to be more attractive. Part of the beauty of the Lakers organization also is part of the horror of working there in that they will do anything to win championships. They will spend whatever money needs to be spent. They will do what they have to do. But because of the leadership that's currently in there, that means that a lot of decisions sometimes are very questionable in that quest to do whatever's possible to win a championship. And that can be the difficult thing about going to an organization like Charlotte is that you don't trust necessarily necessarily that this team is really committed you know that's if I'm Dan Tony that's what I want if I you know if I'm going to take this job I need commitments from Mitch and Michael that hey you're actually going to do whatever's necessary to get me to 50 wins I can get you there if you can give me the ingredients I can get you there but I have to have a commitment from you that you're going to go to the grocery store and buy what I need to make all of this happen Uh, but here's where I think I could make an argument that the Hornets were more attractive if you get to an Eastern Conference Finals, you will be a legend in the city. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. In the Thank city. Thank you so much. Okay, but that's the key part. You have to mm-hmm. want to be a legend in the city because you're not going to be a legend on ESP on SportsCenter. They're not going to care. Oh, you made an Eastern Conference Finals with Charlotte? Big deal. Not even going to talk about it. Let's talk about the Celtics. You'll, um, you'll get your day in the sun, though, nationally. It just won't be. It just won't last forever. 
Right. And, and so, but, it, and, and uh, I mean, if you win a championship, it's like, uh, you know, Budenholzer in Milwaukee. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's a legend. Uh, they'll mm-hmm. never forget Budenholzer. They're never going to forget Giannis. So if you, if you, if that's how you measure things, like I would like to be a living legend in a city in the United States, then that can happen much more easily in Charlotte. You have to do it multiple, multiple times in Los Angeles to ever make that happen. I think you already are a living legend, Doug, at least here as the OG Thank of you. this Where's podcast. Thank you. Where's statue? Yeah, That's what I don't I know. know. Yeah, let's talk about that. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Well, first I have to get the uh, first I have to execute the show right. Then I get my yeah. statue. Here we go. Humbly <laughs> It's all right. Now we have to go back to the drawing board. Do that board code. Out. <laughs> Do that code. This time just with Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. I really want that to be a thing, to be honest with you. Do that code. Sounds great. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. So don't choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or new car dealership they have everything you can need brake parts tail lamps motor oil they even have new carpet go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or your truck you can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you they have an amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com let's talk about the nba playoffs coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast this is Locked on Hornets. We got a couple of rookies here. I got David spreading fake news. Guess what? Four championship games in a row. Continuous success, sustainability. I've got Steve Bob not plugging in his headphones. Which That's I would love up. to see JaVale McGee, uh, you know, get out there on the ice velodrome or whatever you call those things. This is a professional show we're trying to run here. Only on the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. I was going back and listening to some of my older audio, like from years ago, which is kind of the same what you're hearing now with these pumps. Mm-hmm. Doug, you're growing up like you can hear the voice mature because you're probably I mean, you're certainly late 20s in that. You know, I, I feel like I could hear not as much bass in the voice in that bump when you said you were trying to run a professional show. Do you feel like you hear that, too, or did it not click? No, it's a lot of, well, it was a lot of years. And I, you know, I used to run the show. I used to be in your seat, Walker, and that they wore on me just dealing with David and, and Steve yeah. Bob every day that wore me down. And that's why I'm in the clown seat. Now I decided I, I want to, you know, when we brought you on, I was like, I need you to, to run the show. I need to sit over here and be the clown because, uh, you know, I'm getting, I, I'm it's wearing on me. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a good clown, Doug. You're so good. You're great. Thank and we're going to try to get you, you to dress. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to try to get you to dress up as a clown. As long as we get a thousand <laughs> Facebook likes, he will dress as grandmama. It should be great. Uh, I, I think it, I think it's an interesting question though. Would my voice sound like this now if the Hornets had won 50 games once? You know, I think that's part of what's wearing on me too. Is a year after year, mm-hmm. I, we we are dealing with the same old, same old. Like, come on, let's do something. Let's win fifty games. Let's let's relive those early, late nineties, early aughts glory days. Come on. Well, I, I I know one of the things you wanted to talk about were these teams that did win fifty games in order to get to the playoffs, in order to get to the conference finals, at least to yep. get to the second round. Even some of those teams, Doug. 
will get destroyed in these playoff games. We've seen a ton of blowouts in this NBA postseason. We just saw it again last night with the Miami Heat. They took a beat down from the Boston Celtics, and that series has been kind of going back and forth, you know, unexpectedly, right? You think Boston's going to win because Miami is without Jimmy Butler. Turns out Miami has a Bam Adebayo explosion. They're able to win. You know, it's just unexpected, right? We've seen a bunch of blowouts this postseason. And I think you brought this up, James Plowright, if I'm not mistaken, put this tweet out saying, look, I know the Charlotte Hornets, they had 30-point losses. They had a couple of shellackings in the last play-in tournaments. I can read it. I can read it. I can read it if you want. Go ahead. I don't know if you had it. James Plowright at British underscore buzz. Uh, He does work for Sports Illustrated and at the Hive. On Twitter says, I know the play-in losses were bad the past two years, but watching the playoffs, every team can have an off night and look awful. The Suns, Warriors, and 76ers have all lost by 30-plus points already this postseason. That's the tweet from James, and you can add the heat to that list because they just got a drubbing. I don't know if it was 30 points, but it might as well have been 1,000 by the Celtics uh, last night. No, and it's. I think it's a good point to talk about, you know, with these talented teams enough to to bring it up and say it happens. I guess for me, Doug, it kind of goes out the window when it's a one-in play-in game. You know, you've, you've got one chance to do this. Mm-hmm. And you also have the reminder of the year prior, right? Like you have that right. stat, you have that box score hanging in the locker room as this motivation. You actually have play in experience. You yeah. were just in the same spot last year. So you have some type of experience to draw upon. And it still happened because remember, we just talked about it in the first half. It is not like they played well. It was a blessing that they were only down single digits heading into the second half. The the halftime it comes about, you don't have this win one for the Gipper speech or just the self, the self motivation to come out in the third mm-hmm. quarter and say, hey, that was awful in the first half. Let's come out and show a lot more sense of urgency. No, they just get beat down even more that that's so I actually understand that point. I think it's a good point to bring up. I just think it goes out the window when you have that experience to draw upon. It's still the same guys that experienced it. You have a one game scenario to try to fix it. You don't have a series. You know, you got to play it like a game seven. Yes. Phoenix got destroyed in game seven. Maybe that is the comparison, but they also might be tired. They also had some player turmoil going on with Deandre Ayton, which we're going to talk about tomorrow. I I do think there are enough differences to say, Hey, Borrego Hornets, not okay for that to happen two years in a row. Uh, yeah, no, that I I think it's it's a point, and much love to my guy James Plowright. I don't know if it's it's a good point because the difference between the Suns, Warriors, 76ers, and Heat, and the Charlotte Hornets is that they put themselves in a position in the regular season such that I think somebody's at my front door. That was a good uh, <laughs> little ringy dingy. Um, <laughs> so they put themselves in a position such that they could afford. To to slip and fight, you know. Here's here's the analogy: you go to the club, you go to the you go to the you go to the bar, whatever. And if you're out on the dance floor and you because somebody spilled their drink and you slip and fall, the 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 bouncer's not going to come and be like, "All right, buddy, you're out of here. You slipped and fall on the dance." No, you're already on the dance floor. People slip and fall; it happens. But if you're at the if you're just sitting at the bar and you fall out of your seat, the bouncer's going to come over there immediately. They're like, "Buddy, you got to get out of here. You've had too much. You're cut off." That's what happened to the Hornets in the play-in. The bouncer said, "Look, buddy." You 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 weren't even on the dance floor yet, and you're slipping and falling. Yeah. Like you're just sitting over there getting blasted. Okay? Has that ever happened so, to you? Have you ever been kicked out? <clears throat> uh, you know, I mean, these <laughs> yeah. analogies don't. 
You said you wanted this to be a G-rated podcast? Yeah, uh, these analogies don't come from nowhere. Uh, right. You know, so so no. my point is, get on the dance floor, mm-hmm. and then let's have a co- – I think there's an interesting conversation to be had, and I don't know that we have a solid answer for it, but, like, why these blowouts are occurring like this. It's not just in the playoffs, by the way. I mean, I saw some stats earlier in the season where just, like, 20-point, 30-point margins are generally – on the rise and you know there's a big question as to as to why that's occurring you know I think the game is changing the three-point shot we we didn't you know when when the game changes significantly like that on a strategy level you don't you don't really know the ramifications uh, of that until you know five ten twenty years down the line when you can really look back and examine it from a macro level so I think we're seeing a lot of that but the point is don't put yourself in the do or die position you know, get yourself on the dance floor. You can afford to have a game two slip up and still compete in a series. You know, that might've happened to me. I'm not confirming it. I'm just saying that it might've happened to me on my 21st birthday. Went out and to man, friends brought me out. I'm just saying it might've happened. Not sure exactly. Right. So maybe I can understand that analogy that you bring up. So, um, that's it. Just get I don't on the, want to talk the, about the, what anymore. I'm saying is get yourself on the dance floor. If you get on the dance floor, people will excuse that behavior. Oh, I was just moving and grooving a little too much. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes that happens. All right. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Make your second listen locked on NBA from the first jump ball of the play in tournament to the last possession of the finals. Locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. That'll do it for today. We'll be back with you tomorrow on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Do that, Coke.